Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 143 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today I have with me Becky Ferris. You probably remember her. She's been on the podcast quite a bit in the past, but she's actually with me in my office and we are sharing a mic and trying really hard not to make noise as we shift back and forth on our feet. It's kind of funny. Um, She came to visit me this week, and we've been having a blast. We went to the Minnesota State Fair together, and I took her to the Mall of America. And why don't you tell us what you think about Minnesota, Becky? Although you have been here before, but just tell us a little bit about what you think about your experience this time. Hey, Natalie. So great to be here. Minnesota is amazing. First of all, the temperature is about 30 degrees cooler than Nashville. Um, So that was pleasant. And then the Minnesota Fair was amazing. I have never had cheese curds. If you've never had cheese curds, you've got to visit Minnesota State Fair. Okay. Well, I thought that we could maybe talk about... Actually, this wasn't my idea. It was Becky's idea. I was like, let's let's do a podcast episode. What should we talk about? Actually, what I did is I said, while you're putting your makeup on, you come up with an idea to talk about. And she did. She came up with a great idea. Her idea is, what if we talked about things that we allowed our abuser to define even after we got out of our abusive relationship? And this is actually something, it's actually a course, I actually wrote a course and taught a course in the Flying Higher group, which is my program for divorced women of faith. And the course is all about how we abuse ourselves. So we get out of this abusive relationship, and yet we continue to live kind of in an abusive environment, because in our brains, we're carrying with us the messages that were downloaded into us, maybe by our family of origin or by our abusive partner. And then we have to kind of deprogram from those abusive messages. So I thought this was a great idea. Um, And Becky had like three things that she thought of that she had to deprogram from. And do you want to tell us about the first one? Sure. So um, my story is I I was married for 21 years, and then I got out, and I remarried uh, in about a year, a little over a year later. And so I think the first thing that my abuser defined for me was that marriage would be completely ideal without him, meaning I had this idea in my head that all of my problems All of the boundaries I needed in life were only because he was an abuser, he was a toxic person. But if I got out of it, any relationship going forward would never need boundaries because I would choose healthy people to be around. So I get married. I love my husband. He's an amazing man. We've been married uh, five years now. And just in the last year, I started realizing, you know, you need to put down boundaries even with really healthy people. Because we kind of only do or only go as far as the other person allows. And I was so used to allowing everyone to take the 15-mile stretch on me <laughs> that I, um, I didn't realize I just needed to vocalize. And here's the difference, though. If I vocalized a boundary with my abuser, oh, it was twisted, it was turned, it was used for word salad and gaslighting. And, but with a really healthy person, just voicing 
your boundaries. And sometimes that for me, it was like, you know, honey, this really stresses me out. Or this really feels like it's more than I can handle. He just would turn around and go, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't do that. And it was, <laughs> it was eye-opening. It was very pleasant. But yeah, definitely boundaries was the first thing. So now, you know, and I also went through this stage of between divorce and, and then remarriage, um, a lot of my friends, a lot of my employees, I realized were toxic people as well. So, you know, here I am just working through getting toxic people out of my life. I don't really focus too much on setting boundaries with good people. And so I think I've just learned that in the last few years. Even good people need boundaries. That is so good. Can you give a couple or one or two examples of what you mean by like a boundary that you had to create with a good person and why that was so eye-opening for you? Okay, so I'll share one with my husband, maybe two with my husband. Um, so one would be he has a, a lot of health issues with his digestive tract, not to share too much, but <laughs> uh, he requires a lot of special meat, uh, food. And so we were going through this season of him being sick a lot and not knowing what the problem was. And so every time I made a meal, his response to the meal was making me a nervous wreck. I didn't know if I was making the right thing, not doing the right thing. I would have conversations with him, but he was so sick and so exasperated. He really couldn't give me the right answer. And so finally, I come home one day and I say, I love you. I want to cook for you. I want to be there for you. But at this point, I can't handle the stress of whether or not that meal is going to be right. And you, you could go out to eat. You could buy things. You know how to make, he was a bachelor for many years. He knows how to make food for himself. And so what's interesting is as soon as I voiced that concern, not only was he totally okay with it, but then he realized, oh, I haven't been really great at communicating with her. And I've really, I have put her under stress because one day this item is okay, the next day it's not okay. And so now uh, we figured out what the problem was. And now basically he loves anything I make because first, we know what the problem is. Second, he realizes that his his attitude or his um, response to what I cook really affects me. That's that's how I show love. I cook for people. And that's how I show. So that's one. Um, another one was uh, in the same mode. And I guess my husband's sickness really prompted a lot of this boundary stuff. And maybe, that, maybe that's kind of what happens with other people is sicknesses really show, you know, what we can and can't do in life. And I'd like to think I can hold up the Empire State Building, but I can't. <laughs> um, so the other one was because he was sick all the time, he didn't want to go out and do anything. And of course, COVID, we couldn't do anything, right? But then we get our vaccines, we, we, COVID starts to, you know, doors start to open, movie theaters start to open, all these things start to open up, and I want to go out and do stuff. And he doesn't. And it got to the point where, like, I just needed to stay home 24-7 to make him happy. And I was like, you know, no, that, that's not right. That's, that's not, it's, it's a boundary. I should be able to have my own time, my own life apart from him. And if he doesn't want to go out, then, then okay, then you stay home. And I'll go out and then I'll come back. Because we're not one life. We're two individuals living together. And so I, and you know what, as soon as I expressed that again, because he's a good man, 
he realized he didn't realize how much I was just staying home for him. And so he was not only very pleasant about it, but I ended up going to the movies one night and I was just going to go by myself and he ended up surprising me and showing up. So he, I think without boundaries, if we don't stand up and say something, if I don't voice what I'm really feeling, he's never going to know. And he's a good person. He wants to know so he can respond correctly. So I guess those were, those were two, two examples. Those are great examples. And I think it, this will probably help listeners too, who are wondering, you know, am I in an abusive relationship or not? How you'll be able to tell is that when you do finally go, you know what? I think I, I don't think I can handle all of this pressure, or I don't think I can do all of these things. I think something has to give because I'm burning out in different ways. And then when you voice that to, to your partner, if their response is, gosh, I didn't know that. How can I help? Or I'm so sorry. Or they do go step back and have some self-reflection about maybe some of the ways that they might've contributed to it, or maybe they didn't contribute. Maybe it was all in your head, but maybe they didn't realize it was such a strain and they actually want to help and alleviate some of that. That's how you know that you've got a healthy partner. And that maybe you, maybe you were just taking on too many things and just needed to set some of those boundaries for yourself. Okay. But unfortunately, and a lot of our listeners, if you try to set a boundary with someone who's not healthy, they're going to get upset about that. They're going to make it about you and your problem. And why can't you keep putting out for me? And um, that's when you know, okay, there's something not quite right about this relationship. Okay. What is another area, Becky, that you felt like you thought was going to be perfect once you got out of your abusive relationship and then you found out, oh, I kind of need to work on this area myself? Okay. So first was boundaries. And I'm going to add one more thing real quick about boundaries. Um, What I realized also in the process is the reason I didn't put down boundaries was because I was so used to doing it all. And I just thought that's the way it was. And it's not that way. It is not my responsibility to hold up the Empire State Building. (laughs) It's my responsibility to work together as a team to get the job done, whether that's with my husband, whether that's with an employee, whether that's with a friend in a relationship. It's We should be equal, period. Okay, so that was boundaries. And then the second thing, um, I think my abuser defined my ideals. So here I have 21 years of a very difficult time. And that is, I'm putting it very lightly there. (laughs) And so I, you know, you know how when you're in a difficult marriage and you go to church or you go out in public and you see these other couples and they look so idyllic, they're so happy. They are, they're loving towards each other. They share responsibilities. They take responsibilities for their actions. And so you get this idea that, wow, it's all because I'm married to a toxic person. I mean, at least when you wake up, you, you realize that, right? And then you think, oh, okay, now I'm getting out of that. So then everything will be ideal. And so I went into the second marriage thinking we would never fight. We'd never have a disagreement. We would never have difficulties. And I would never be have discomfort. Those are the three Ds. Did you like it? I, yeah. I love doing Ds. Okay. And so, but in reality, we're human beings. And so we will have difficulty. My husband has had triple bypass since we've been married. Big difficulty there. 
And then we've had disagreements. I mean, we, <laughs> a lot of times they have to do with me trying to do too much, ironically. Um, and then of course there's been discomfort in not wanting to broach certain subjects. And that is 100% normal. So this idea that getting out of an abusive marriage means my future relationships will be idyllic. No, no. Now they are way happier. They are way more, you know, they fulfill. You look forward to every day. It just makes life completely different, but it's not without difficulties. It's not without disagreements. Yeah, I love that. I'll add that in my in my relationship, my prior relationship that was abusive, nothing could ever be resolved. So you'd have these difficulties and these hard, all those D words that she said. You'd have all of those things, but nothing would ever ultimately be resolved. Whereas in my marriage now, Tom and I have been married for almost four years. We will have a disagreement, for example but we will be able to work it out and have and bring it to resolution. So it's not this like thing that's swept under the rug that you can never deal with. We work through it, even though it's painful sometimes, we work through it until we both are satisfied with the conclusion and we both feel good and it actually, we feel actually closer than we were before the thing happened. So I think that's also just another key difference between those two things. Okay, so what's the third, what's the third thing that you came up with? Well, I want to give a, one more addenda. I always think of new things when you're talking. <laughs> so um, when it's um, a difficulty, um, I want to share something very transparent. I have a daughter, who, uh, three daughters who are married. The, the middle daughter and I were sitting down a few days ago over lunch, and we were talking about basically this idea of disagreements in marriage. And she's like, yeah, sometimes I'm worried I'm going to lose my temper and yell and scream. And I said, because you learned that from me. And first of all, you always say that to your kids. Don't try to say it's because of your ex or whatever. Own it if it was you. I was exasperated after 20 years. I was exasperated after eight years. I yelled and screamed. And then she goes, yeah, but you've never yelled and screamed since you've been married to my new husband. And I'm like, right, because difficulties should not bloom into an atomic bomb. Mm right so they're control there there's still this underlying sense of peace when it's a healthy person okay so number 3 <laughs> um this is more so when i was talking about my ideals that's with somebody else but the third thing was my hopes and my dreams i thought that by not being with my ex my career would be easier because i wouldn't have the obstacle of him I thought I could get to I could get to my goals faster. I thought I thought my children would be healthier and in many ways they were, but it wasn't without com uh, complexities and difficulties. So with my kids, there's still issue there will be issues for many, many years, even decades because abuse is just that it leaves a lot of uh, ruin. It's, I always think of, um, when I think of my kids, I, this is weird, but I think of World War II scene of a, a building, a city town that has been completely demolished. And I'm like, that's what we started with. We can't rebuild that overnight. And so the, the idea that, oh, we're going to get out of this marriage. I'm going to not necessarily find a new guy, but I'm just getting out of this marriage. My kids, they're going to be resilient. They're going to bounce back. It's going to be great. Yes in certain areas at certain times, 
but not all at once. And then as far as my career and goals, I had to remember that I had a lot of uh, devastation and destruction to clean up before I could go forward. It took me four years to clean up the mess he had created in my own business before I could go forward. So I think I was a little, and I would get frustrated. I think I was a little disillusioned that life without him would be more immediately better. And it, it wasn't, it, it took a lot of time and it's still taking time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, <clears throat> I think that's a wrap for this one. We are, I've got to get her to the airport. And um, I was going to mention, she mentioned about how food, making food for other people is her love language. So she's at my house and I've been able to make some food for her, but she's actually been helping. Like she doesn't just, you know, sit in the kitchen and let me make food for her. She's made food for us too. She made some amazing, we should put together a cookbook. (laughs) No, just kidding. She made some amazing mashed potatoes for our steaks last night. And I just, I, that really truly is her love language. I, and I'm so glad I wish we lived closer, but she lives she lives um, in Tennessee, yeah. and I'm in Minnesota. So um, anyway, I want to say one last thing. If you This episode is kind of geared towards the idea of getting out and kind of the aftermath of getting out of an abusive relationship. And so, so a lot of you are not in that place yet, but I hope that this gives you some ideas of what life is like afterwards. If you do, if you are contemplating that possibility, um, it's not, you know, it's not like a bed of roses, but it is better. It's definitely better. I think both of, uh, Becky and I would agree that we have no regrets and we love our lives now. Um, but if you are a divorced woman, or if you're in the middle of a divorce and you're on your way out already, I want to remind you that we do have a, I have a program that I've developed just for you for Christian women who are divorced. And it's called Flying Higher. If you want more information, you can go to joinflyinghigher.com. There's an application process to get into the group, but you can um, read the information, fill out the application, and we'd love to have you join us. It's a smaller group of women, and we do some hard work on ourselves in the areas of our personal lives, our physical, our physical health, our emotional and mental health, our financial health, rebuilding career, um, re- reestablishing relationships with those adult children. A lot of the women in the group are older and have, a, you know, adult children or are kind of starting over in their lives and in their careers, and um, reestablishing relationships with other friends. A lot of times, new friends. And even we even do talk, talk quite a bit about dating and and um, getting into a new relationship if that's what you want. So check that out. We have a lot of fun. We do a lot of great work together, and I'd love to have you join us. That is all I have for you for today. Thanks for listening, and until next time, fly free.